0: I'm moving on to my second part of my notes and I don't have the rest of it until it picks up again at the junkyard. Shit. (laughs) Karate and graduate. I'm Corey Cole. I'm Freddie Waff. Today we are closing out our director series with Walter Hill with my final choice, 1986's Crossroads.
1: Crossroads.
0: With karate kid himself, man. Ralph Macchio.
1: Dude, you know what? Here's a funny, man. I love Ralph Macchio in the this section of the 80s. Yeah. He's you know why he's good in this movie? Is because he's natural. Yeah. He's not, uh, nothing seems like, I totally believe it. Even when you're not supposed to like him, he's kind of, you know, you're like, you're a douchey little fucking. He, <laughs> yes, but he's too. real. It's not super annoying. It's like, you know, guys like this and, uh, you know, he's got a very natural kind of easy kind of delivery. And this is, this is a movie that I always loved. I remember like seeing it on VHS about a thousand times and on HBO and, uh, you know, it kind of was like an under the radar thing. And I remember it kind of came out. I don't know that people were I don't know if people knew what to do with it, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. What is this fucking masterpiece?
0: <laughs> right. He's still reeling in his Danny LaRusso vibe. And that's very much it feels like, hey, Danny LaRusso got on the road and went to Juilliard. <laughs> yeah.
1: The whole movie is like it, dude, it's very karate kid. I yeah. mean, you know, you got you got him, you got the old man, you know, you get the master, you get the you know, student. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe Seneca's performance is equally yes. or actually greater I than think so. I mean, I think it's greater than Marita. Marita's great. Yeah. But I think they were both nominated for Oscars. Both of these guys. I mean, yeah. wait,
0: no, Seneca wasn't. Seneca wasn't. Weirdly was enough. Travesty, man. Don't he,
1: even understand how that happens. That's why the Oscars are not, that's why they're bullshit. Yeah.
0: It's, they've been bullshit for decades. <laughs> it's not, it's nothing new. <laughs> it's not new for sure. <laughs> but yeah. He, and Ralph Machu, I mean, he, I mean, he literally looks like he's just, they pulled him right out of Karate Kid, threw him a little bit of a mullet on him and said, "Here." hold his guitar and play. And it's, he's really good in it. I, mean, I say Joe Seneca is the standout in it too. And it's, he's fucking so amazing. And there's so, the cast is surrounded. It's not a lot of people in it.
1: No, but, but everybody is on point. But everybody, everybody is. Oh, they just everyone kill. sticks it, man. Yeah. Jamie Gertz, Joe Morton.
0: And that's a very, very young Joe Morton playing. I didn't even
1: recognize it. took me a yeah. minute to like figure out, I was like, who the <laughs> fuck is that? And I'm like, Oh God, it's Joe Morton.
0: And Robert Judd playing Scratch, playing the devil. And I tell you, man, when you see these two, and they don't don't do anything together, which is so cool. You know, it's like you see Morton just ahead. You see Morton a few times, but you don't see Scratch until toward the end of the third act. And when you see these two guys, you want to go, I want to see another movie with those guys. I want to see them again. You know somebody's great in something when you say, I didn't get enough of that guy. I need to see more of that guy, and Robert Judd is that guy. And for me, in the movie, this movie, that's him. He's so fucking great, and dude, he's just so matter of fact. I mean, this movie is based on you know the old urban legends about going down to the crossroads and anybody becoming successful at something selling their soul to get that. And I hadn't turned sixteen yet. At fifteen, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I was sixteen. I hadn't turned seventeen yet. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know much about that old story about the crossroads. And so not only am I, so I appreciate the exposition in this movie because I don't know this stuff at that age. The John Fusco, the writer who also did young guns and, and uh, Thunderheart, which is another underrated movie. I, I feel like he kind of did a good job of explaining that without making people sound stupid, <laughs> feel stupid for not knowing it. Or feel or talk down to the people that do know it.
1: Have you seen the Netflix documentary that's on, that's on, the devil at the crossroads? No. Oh, yeah, you should totally check it out. You and you should show Joey that. It's all about Robert Johnson.
0: Oh, geez. Now, yeah, definitely need to see that.
1: Yeah, it's it's been on Netflix for a while. Reese and I watched it a while back. Well, before
0: we get going on that, I started to go right to the story, but. Obviously, this is a Walter Hill director film. He does not, he's not involved, directly involved and credited anyway with the writing and any kind of co-writing in this. but this is very much a Walter Hill movie. And something I found kind of surprised at was how, how much dialogue there is in this for, for a Walter Hill movie. There's a lot of dialogue in this movie. But it's all like choice lines, too. <laughs> There's nothing there seems fatty. Everything that's being said, you need to know.
1: No. I mean, it's all it's all pertinent to the story and what's happening on the screen. Or what's going to happen on the screen. Right. Or what has happened on the screen. <laughs> right.
0: John Bailey, who is also the cinematographer in this, we've actually covered him before. We covered him with Silverado. He also has done a, a bunch of other movies I'm sure you've seen, but... One costume movie that stands out for me is For the Love of the Game. He shot that as well. Just like with Walter Hill and his eclectic mixed bag of stories, John Bailey is the same way. He doesn't, he has a mixed bag of movie types. It's not all the same thing. He doesn't work in the same genre or the same type of movie. He all over the place and he obviously appreciates the variety and it shows the challenge of I got to shoot something different. And this movie looks amazing. Just like everything else we've talked about recently with Walter Hill. Yeah, man. When you span from 1978 all the way into 19... What where'd we stop at? 1988 with Red
1: Heat? No, 89. Johnny Handsome.
0: Oh, that's right. Johnny Handsome the year after. Yeah. They all feel like different movies and not just because of the time period, but just because they, they just feel differently. I can watch a Richard Donner movie and know it's a Richard Donner movie right away. I don't feel that way about Walter Hill's movies and I get that's a... High compliment, as far as I'm concerned, to do the kind of movies he does and not look the same. Kind of goes along with not telling the same story, too, which is great.
1: His editing gives him away, but other than that, yeah, the, the, film, yeah. The, the films don't look alike. No, this is actually long
0: for him. This is a long movie for this kind of story for him, and it runs like 138, 139 without credit, or 138 without credits. And it's, but like I said, it's a dense story. Nothing is wasted here. You're not, everything is very efficient. Like, Walter Hill fashion. We start off in the movie with the crossroads. It's a nice sepia tone, graded crossroads shot. There's just a young man standing there with the guitar, looking up and down this this dirt road. Hey, where is this person I'm supposed to meet? Looking around, looking around and nothing. That's it. I thought that was so cool that they just did that. Cut the, the same man with a different color now. It's not so sepia, it's a little more color walking down a hotel hallway, knocks on the door and this man lets him in, kind of goes over the, hey, just go ahead and take your coat off, relax, grab your guitar. And you're like, what's he doing? (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. He calls the guy Robert a couple of times, the big deal. So out comes the guitar, goes and sits into a corner with a chair and there's a microphone. He's like, oh, he's going to record. Cut to the man who let him in the room. And he says the words, Robert Johnson, stand by. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Robert Johnson recording his entire library of 29 songs. And if it, if for people aren't familiar with Robert Johnson and his his history, I mean, that's it, man. He That's all he recorded.
1: Right, and that's, that's, that's basically the premise of the story. Is there, is there a lost song? Cause it's a big legend that there was always a lost song even before the movie. There's always, you know, there's just been this like buzz. Was there 30 songs? They only recorded 29 or did they record 30 and it got lost, you know? So that all factors into this. Right. So that's, that's why they're jumping back into this. Uh, we start here in the recording studio mm-hmm. and we see the session.
0: And you just hear this guy playing and it just amazing guitar sounds and we we should just really before and before we really get start getting into the music aspect of this movie, let's talk about the music and the score. Right Cooter <laughs> coming back again. Um and we referred to this last week when we were talking about Johnny handsome and how important his score is for that movie. But he he deserves much more credit for this movie than he does in any other stuff that he's done. Because it isn't just the score. I mean, this this is a story that's it works with music intimately, and stuff he produces isn't just score. I mean, the whole thing about this movie is it's all blues. You don't hear a typical orchestra type score in this movie, so everything you're hearing is very much tied to the music that you hear Ralph Macho playing in it, and everybody else that he runs into along the way. But Ray Cooter's playing. He plays all the slide guitar stuff in this. So anytime you hear this, it's it's all his playing. And yeah, but, but like we talked about earlier, Ralph Montia does a pretty damn good miming.
1: Oh, yeah, he definitely has some skills. I, I would imagine he, if he didn't play, they taught him to play. But I, I have to say, like, you know, finger position and this, the, the, the what he's able to do yeah. in a wide shot, he has some not. And yeah, if they just taught him, then fuck, he's a quick study. <laughs> you
0: know, I, th- I think if I remember back in the day, I thought Ray Cooter actually spent some time with him.
1: And Goulish and stuff yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I remember that being part of the PR push when the movie came out. We're hearing Robert Johnson recording, and it sounds amazing. We cut to this kid in his Ralph Macchio in his school dorm room, going listening to a cassette tape of the same song that we just heard recording. But it was a nice seamless move. But they tweet the audio note to where it sounds a little more deg- degraded by the fact he's playing on a cassette tape and it's not live in front of us anymore right and and you show him kind of they show Ra Macho going through books
1: yeah it's a nice little montage piece here
0: super unique to any movie getting getting any kind of montage the first three minutes of a movie <laughs> and but it's so cool and it tells you right away what you need to know about Eugene and who he is. Then he then he you, know, you cut to him and he and he's playing, he's playing along with the cassette tape that we just heard recorded by Robert Johnson. It's pretty wild, but you see how obsessed he is with Robert Johnson, the kind of music he is he's uh, he plays, and it's pretty crazy. So throughout his research, he cuts to him on the street now and he shows up at this this low security nursing home. You don't realize it's <laughs> initially anyway. That it's any kind of prison, but, and it wasn't until this last time that I started watching it for the show that it, he was actually in prison. I never understood it. I thought it was just a nursing home and an uptight nursing home and, and, and he, when he breaks them out later. I didn't realize it until this time around that he was in prison. He's in prison for this. I never got that before when I was younger.
1: Who, Seneca?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, I'm saying that I didn't remember that from my youth, that, that was the case. And and I watched it maybe I don't know, four or five years ago and I still wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to that aspect of it. I was just anxious to get, for them to get on the road. So I never thought about the fact that he was actually in jail. Still. <laughs> well, because he walks right in and just kind of shows him his piece of paper. And I didn't, identifies himself and who he's looking for. I just didn't think it seemed way, way low key, way too, I don't know. It just seemed like a normal hospital.
1: Well, he'd been let out. I mean, he didn't really have anywhere to go when he when he was able to get out. So they kind of just, you know, you sort of become a ward of the state at that point. Right. You know, nobody to take care of him. Nobody, you know, he's been faking that wheelchair thing for a while. So, uh, you know. <laughs> right. It was one step. It was out of, uh, you know, Sing Sing and uh, into like a, you know, a low security type uh, hospital prison. <laughs>
0: right. Eugene talks to the nurse and says, I want, I want to meet uh, Willie Brown. And the nurse walks off and she goes into the room and comes back. We never not see where, you know, we don't see the conversation where she comes back and says, "Willie Brown doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to see anyone.
1: He don't know, no Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She's like, he says he does not know, no, he doesn't know anyone named Eugene. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then he's just like, oh, well, if you just give me a moment to talk to him, no, 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 get out.
1: She's great too. And yeah. I, I love her. She's all fucking all business.
0: Yep. She's pretty
1: great. Walk down the hall and walking back. It's like, and what? A, I just there's something about that shot too. It, it just sort of sets a tone. Like the whole. It reminded me weirdly Same. of Angel Heart, um, and a little bit of some of the shots in Johnny Handsome. like, yeah. you know where yeah. she and also Exorcist Three. And that's um,
0: where I thought you were going to go.
1: <laughs> well, it did, it does remind me of Exorcist Three, but um, it also has just you know, it's very. There's something weirdly sinister about the way she walks down the hall right. and then the way she comes back. It, it sets the tone yeah. for w- about what's about to happen.
0: Right. In a symbolic, too, of the distance between Eugene and Willie as far as that, an actual physical distance and not just the closeness of, right. of friendship and all that
1: stuff. Well, from Juilliard to this place.
0: Right. <laughs> and Eugene's completely insulted. It was, so was kind of like, oh, man. I did all this work. I found this. I did all this work to find out what this guy is, and you're not gonna. And he doesn't want to see me. This is bullshit. And he can casually, out of frustration, though, looks at the cork board and bulletin board there and sees that there's a part time job opening in maintenance to work in maintenance. He catches Eugene mopping the hallway of the nursing in a little home. jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, that classic look. And it's just like, what is going on here? And he's just kind of working his way down the hallway, peeking in every room tunes in on, on a room and he hears a harmonica playing and you walk in there and <laughs> there's there's a man in a wheelchair playing harmonica with his back to him and he's just like, wait, who's this guy?
1: His eyes get all wide.
0: Yeah, but there's a mirror in front of the man in the wheelchair and he sees Ralph Macchio walk in and he goes, Mr. Janitor, man. <laughs> Mr. Janitor, man. And he's just kind of gives him some shit, and but he says it in a way like he knows him, like he knows he's the kid, and which I thought was really weird because he hadn't approached him yet, and so this is their moment, this is their first time meeting, and Eugene's trying to befriend him. He just like Willie's not having it. He's just that man that turned around and didn't know who was his Mr. Janitor man. That's the sauce he gets. He just gives that sauce to everybody. And he, he's like, man, come on, man. I, I, come on, I, you're Blind Dog Fulton. I know it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're Mr. Fulton. And he's like going, Mr. Who? <laughs> he's like, Blind Dog Fulton, man. You were, weren't you Blind Dog Fulton from 1939, 1968? Robert
1: Johnson calls out for you. on blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he's like, Robert Johnson. <laughs> man, where I come from, everybody's named Willie Brown. Yeah. he's just giving him shit.
0: Yeah. But you play harmonica. That's what, that's the Willie Brown's main instrument. Anyway, so Eugene's like, he doesn't, he's not buying into it. He's like, you know, bullshit, man. I did my research. You're Willie Brown. You're the guy. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Willie Brown's like, fuck off. And he turns his wheelchair away from him, which is crazy because it's like, oh, well, that's this first encounter. That sucks for you, Eugene. (laughs) You blew it. Eugene.
1: Eugene Martone. And
0: then we cut to um, like a nice music room at some conservatory. And Eugene's playing some classical piece. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is who you really are, <laughs> this
1: right, guy. He's rich kid,
0: Juilliard. I, I get it now, and he's just playing his classical piece. I'm playing Farty now, and what it was?
1: It's it's uh, it was Mozart.
0: Yeah, but he and it was so beautiful because he ends it with a little blues riff,
1: which Doctor Santis didn't dig it, man. No. Sheldon's pissed. <laughs> Sheldon's not
0: happy. Um, of course, we're talking about the man, the myth that I only know him from one thing, and that's Mash. I don't know him from anything else.
1: Alan, yeah, well, he was, he was, was he was he was uh, the shrink on Mash, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wonderful.
1: He, he was in the Omen too.
0: Oh, that's right. So he busts his balls a little bit, too, because he's not happy about Because He goes, you know, that's really good. That's really good stuff right up until the end. And he's busting his chops saying, you're not respecting the music that you're playing. And he's like, oh, man, it's, not, it's not, I don't mean disrespect by it. I was just kind of making a joke.
1: And I love it. Give this gives us a little backstory about Eugene letting us know that, you know, he, he he's younger. He's younger than the rest of the students because he was, you know— labeled gifted um and granted early entry into Juilliard. Right. So, you know, we're getting all that information in a way that's not super annoying. No. <laughs>
0: Thankfully. <laughs> right? Yeah. We come back to the TV room of the nursing home and we see Seneca just sitting there in his wheelchair with a bunch of other patients there, just kind of hanging out, watching some TV. And then comes Eugene to take out the trash. pick up the trash and Willie sees him and turns around and immediately starts giving him the sauce again. Yeah,
1: man.
0: Asking him, why, why are you so hot for a long gone harmonica player? And then this is where we really find out about the ties to that Robert Johnson recording in the beginning. I'm looking for a lost song. And Eugene starts monologuing about, to us anyway, because...
1: Willie yeah, already knows. We, right. Willie knows
0: <laughs> about about Robert Johnson, recording 29 songs and not to cut. And I got to the the rumored, long rumored, the legend of number 30. And then he's like, Oh, why do you care about that? And Eugene tells him, I'm a blues man. <laughs> Ooh, famous Long Island blues man. Long Island. And Willie really just laughs at him and busts his ass some more. And
1: Dude, just, the way he delivers that. Oh, yeah. Famous Long Island <laughs> blues man. <laughs> And Dude, he just gives it best. to him.
0: And then the nurse comes up and you know and she's like, all right, Willie, it's time for your massage or whatever the crap it was or your bath or and then he just keep, and then he's just busting his ass all the way down the hallway to the point right. where you can't hear him anymore. And on the Make way sure out, you
1: get my trash, Mr. Janitor, man. <laughs> so good.
0: Now we we come back to Juilliard again. And this is the this time we actually hear hear Juilliard being spoken about and you kind of, you just know it's kind of a conservatory, but you don't really know. Cause they don't say Juilliard in the first scene at, while he's in the music room, I don't think. But now he's sitting in the teacher's office and he's just giving Eugene shit more. He just, but he's, he's really laying it on him now. And he starts talking about the two styles of music and he starts basically breaking it down by class. You know, this is music. That's, uh, I don't know what that is. And you could see it in Machio's face. He's like, "Man, my teachers are racist." <laughs> he, just, he sees it. He's like, "Going, this dude's about class." He's he's in there saying classical music is music, but what the blues is not music. It's, it's a form of whatever, but he doesn't consider it music. And you you got to choose. You can choose to can't do, serve
1: two masters. Yeah,
0: exactly. What a great line too. And and I and I love that line because it it means. Doesn't to those two in the moment right there, it doesn't mean anything, but we know that it means the two masters mean what good versus evil, God yeah. versus the devil. And I thought that right. was fucking yeah. so good.
1: It's very, it's very smart script. There's lots of little moments like that where I was like, wow. Yeah.
0: And you, again, it's not until you see the second or third time, you're like, Oh, now I'm getting what that means. I get that. I get that. I get that. It's just, and it's little things like this that I didn't catch when you know, the half a dozen times I'd seen the movie prior And we cut to Eugene in his dorm room again, but this time instead of seeing blues, like we saw him the first time playing, he's playing some classical piece and he just keeps playing and he's just practicing and he just stops, puts down his guitar, walks over and picks up the steel string we saw him playing earlier and starts playing the blues. And we know at that moment now he's chosen.
1: Right. He's, it's kind of his crossroads. Yeah. Yeah.
0: so he decides, I know where I'm going. I am guess I'm going to ride his dual train as long as I can until they kick me out. But this is where my heart lies in playing the blues and not playing the stuff that got me into the school. Back in the nursing home now, <laughs> again, Eugene's taking out the trash. But now he's in Willie's room taking out the trash. As he walks in the room, Willie's got his crayons out and he's drawing a picture of the crossroads. Just a meeting spot with a nice big tree and everything. You're like going, oh, that's kind of cool. Really busting Long Island Blues Man's ass for about his about coming in for another visit.
1: Hey, Blues Man, <laughs> he's, always gracing, blues man.
0: He, he's gracing us with another visit. <laughs> and then Eugene just kind of like, Oh, I want you to take a look at this for you. I got this thing for you to look at. And he throws an old picture of what looks like a very young Willie Brown and a picture with the man we saw at the very beginning of the movie, Robert Johnson push in Willie and Willie's just looking at the photo and he has his smirk in his face. And you, we know right then and there, Mike, I don't care what Willie Brown tells Eugene. Yeah. That is blind dog Fulton right there. And while we're still tight on his, on uh, Seneca's face, we cut to another sepia shot at the crossroads. And this time it's that same young man we saw in the photograph with the glasses. It's young Willie Brown and <laughs> Joe Morton rolls up, right? <laughs> What's your name, Four Eyes?
1: Well, first you get that, so the wagon goes by and that girl's like, what you ain't no, Four yeah, Eyes? Yeah. And I was like, where are those people going?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's very much like the woman you see with Morton later on in, in 1986.
1: Exactly. I was wondering if it is her.
0: Yeah, it could be.
1: You know, I don't know. Or if it's just the latest version of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, just like we get the latest version of... We get we get Morton later on in a very different car. He's not in the Yes. And he's always he's and as I referred to it later on, he's like, he's not in the old that old mess. He's in the new hotness. I had to borrow a little Will Smith there. The new me. hotness. The new hotness. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, What's your name, Four Eyes? He's like, I'm looking to make a deal with and Robert Johnson. I come down here, and make a deal with with Legba. Legba. <laughs> Are you him? He's like, No, I'm his assistant. And he starts giving him hell. And what a surprise, right? Joe Morton's so fucking good in this. And if you're not familiar with Joe Morton's work or know him by name, um, well, he's in T2. That's all you need to know about it. He's the man, Dude, T2.
1: brother from another planet is where I knew him from.
0: Which is fantastic. But that was the, that was, his, was that his first movie, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe so. I mean, it's the first thing he ever got, like, uh, I mean, he may have been in a couple other things, but that was, like, the first movie where, you know, people were like, Joe Morton. Yeah. Bottom line is
0: no matter what that guy does, he delivers. He's always the he's always the focal point of a scene. You always are kind of fixated on him. He always delivers. But anyway, watching this elevated version of Joe Joe Morton kind of really, really chewing the scenery. And it's like, oh, you want to play like Robert Johnson, huh? <laughs> well, if you're gonna want that, say goodnight to your soul, son, because your money means shit to me. Doesn't mean I got anything. two dollars. Yeah, where Legba comes from, money means nothing to him. He just basically signs off, right? Signs off on it, and <laughs> Morton gets ready to drive off. It says, "See you in hell, blind boy," and off he goes.
1: Well, not without taking his two dollars for yeah, gas, yeah,
0: because he needs gas. Just, just an extra little stab at, at the situation, you know. Because <laughs> Willie thinks that he's been blessed in this moment by by making this deal. He doesn't realize what he's done because he was a child.
1: He's a young kid, man. Yeah.
0: He was so unknowingly signing his soul away that he was willing to give away his last $2 to the man who just took his soul. Pretty great. Gets to a nursing home and now, now we're, where. Uh, and Eugene walks in with his guitar case. <laughs> He's just like going, all right, you son of a bitch. I know you who you are and I've already proven to you I know you are by showing you the photograph. Now I'm going to play for you so you know who I am. And he just starts playing. And everybody in the room is enjoying it except for Willie. He <laughs> says, you're not going to leave me alone about this music shit, are you? And he's like, nope. <laughs> me blind dog Fulton in the flesh. <laughs> I knew it. He's like, I knew it. And then so now Eugene's over the moon. He's like, oh, no, finally, I got this guy. Not only was I right and I knew I was right, but now I got the guy admitting
1: that I'm right. I love when he says, "I know I'm not Robert Johnson." He's like, "Damn right, you ain't Robert Johnson. You ain't even a pimple on the late great Robert Johnson's ass." Yeah. Every you know, just just to slam him in front of everybody after yeah. he's just like, everyone's like, "Oh man!" And then you know, gotta bring some. You know, you gotta you gotta bring the room down. You might got the chops, but you ain't gonna get. The, you ain't got the mileage. You're gonna get it living with your rich mama wiping your ass. <laughs> That's right. That's so good. Yeah, Montreal's pushing him down the hall in the wheelchair.
0: Right, and they get back to the room, and now he pops in tight on Seneca, and Seneca just says, "Low key, get me out of here, just get me out of here on the road." And, it, and he said, and he had lied to him. He said to him, "Yeah, I know, I know about the thirtieth song. Of course, I know about the thirtieth song." He's just lying to him.
1: It's a real good one.
0: It's and he's just he's doing everything that he can to convince Eugene to break him out. And this is, again, this is the moment where I realized like, oh, he's in prison. <laughs> I didn't realize you're just in a, I thought you are just in a, you know, an uptight you know, nursing home, but you're not. Remind me how the breakout works.
1: Well, Eugene gets, gets everything ready to go. He pulls, he does that old, they're wheeling Willie around and he's wheeling him through a back area and it sets off an alarm and then the guard, the guard hears All him right. and now, you know, then they, they're then they're, then, they're, then it's on. He's kind of botched the escape. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're onto him.
0: The great escape, this is not. And, no. uh, they get to the, they get to the taxi. Uh, that's one thing between the, way. he rolls up in the taxi in the beginning. So they told the guy to wait here while I we're inside. And, and he's like, whatever, man, it's your fare. <laughs> and that's when he goes in, gets Willie, wheels him down the hallway and breaks him out. Uh, but, you know, again, it's not very, it's low security. There's only one, there's only one orderly security dude on the, on the job anyway. And he chases him down, but doesn't quite get to him. They slam the door behind him, load Willie up in the, in the taxi and off to go to, to a bus station. There was one point earlier where Willie was like showing him his bankroll. Man, I've been saving well, he said, I that. got,
1: he said, get me out of here. I got, I got, I got enough money. I got money. I got money he's, saved you know, He's like, shows him a roll with, you know, some twenties wrapped around the outside. Right. And then he like, you know puts it away because he didn't want anybody to see
0: it. Yeah. So they get to the, they get to the bus station and he, and Willie said, makes a deal with him and said, Hey man, you get me down South, man. And I'll pick up the bill the rest of the way, but just get us, just get us down there. I'll take care of the rest. So he's like, okay. So he goes over and gets tickets.
1: Uh, where did they go initially? He says, get us to Memphis and then I heard yeah, yeah. they go to Memphis. And he says, then he said, they're trying to get to Yazoo city.
0: Eugene takes care of the the tickets. And they get down to where they're
1: going. You got to change buses. You got to get a new ticket.
0: Got to change buses, right? And then says, like, all right, Willie, you know, give me the money. I'll go get our tickets. And then he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I I, I ain't J.D. Rockefeller. (laughs) So I don't have any money. He's like, no, give me the bankroll, man. Give me your money roll. Give it to me.
1: He gives it to him. He says, oh, you, you might want to count it. I'm, I'm not
0: sure how much is there. Yeah, I make mean, he sure it's all there. And he cracks it open and he fans it out. And you got the two 20s on top and the rest is all just newspaper. It's just 40 bucks, paper, man. Paper, paper. And he's like, what the hell is this, man? He's like, oh. And he goes, hey, man, $40 is nothing to shake a stick out. <laughs> ain't chump change. He's like, yeah, but this isn't going to get us. To Mississippi? He's like, well, whatever. And then he goes, let me see what kind of bullshit you got me into. So- Reggie goes up to the, to, to the ticket taker and, and uh, to the sales counter and says, hey, um, so how, how far can I get two people for 40 bucks? And he goes, two I need people? Two tickets. I need
1: two tickets to Yazoo, Mississippi.
0: <laughs> and he goes, man, it's not going like to even get you a third of the way there.
1: Right. And he's like, oh,
0: fuck this. He runs back over and starts giving me all these shit. I am mean, you son of
1: a bitch. Hey, and really, he's like, well, we'll give him my 40 bucks. We're going to hobo it. Yeah. And
0: he goes, why don't you call <laughs> why don't you your, call rich, your mom? rich
1: mama? She's <laughs> in Europe.
0: Yeah. He gets in Europe. Goes, well, what's your dad? My dad's in Chicago. Wait, why aren't they together? Chicago? They're divorced.
1: He, <laughs> not this any year, but what's what he doing in Chicago? <laughs> right. So now they're on the road, man. And you know, this is what you learn, man. It's a, it, it's a true. You can't be no blues, pictures. man. Yeah. Without some hardship.
0: Yeah. You need, you need to have your ass busted. 17 year old rich boy. Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you had life handed to you. I Might mean, have been hard, boy. You you know, he's the, Eugene is the opposite of the kind of life yeah. that Willie's lived. And Willie lives, Willie sold his soul to live the life that he's lived. Right. And he understands how privileged this, this punk white kid is at but once. As
1: we know selling your soul, you never, there's always, you know, it's never what you think it's going to be. And I think he even gives that speech later on. But man, yeah, I mean, Eugene is kind of a snotty punk ass kid. He's right. not unlike Daniel LaRusso.
0: No, he, he's very much like, I mean, mom, I don't want to move here. This is some bullshit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's
0: like, well, I have a job here and this is where we got to be. Put, this yeah, is crap. So he, it's,
1: he's so put upon.
0: Yeah. And that, so that's why I always felt that way about, about Karate Kid. When he gets his ass kicked, I'm like, well, you kind of deserve it, dude. You're an asshole. <laughs>
1: right. You're being kind of a dick.
0: <laughs> and he's no different here. Difference is He's just, he doesn't get his ass kicked in the same way. He just gets his ass kicked by the road. And not having any of that, that privilege that he has when he's back in New York and everybody's kissing his ass because he's this prodigy. Right. So they're on the road now. And along the way, while they're on the road, Willie's kind of like, man, you need a real guitar, man.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> Look at this thing. He's like, I bet you bought it because it looked beat up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't
1: you we... know Muddy Waters and Van Electricity? That was my favorite line oh, yeah. of Yes.
0: So good. <laughs> so now they're, now they're in this pawn shop. And he's showing a guy like, yeah, man, this is what you need. And shares showing this, this classic, you know, butterscotch, blonde, Telecaster, the same, just the classic. Oh, yeah, it's like a
1: 52 telly. reissue. It's like a 52 oh, reissue so gorgeous, or, dude. or not, non-reissue, but it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah.
0: And so he, the pawn man showing I'm like, also, man, ain't bust a little pig nose. And for, for those of you that don't play or are familiar with, you know, guitar gear and amps, a pig nose is a little portable amplifier you can plug in and it's battery powered. You can plug it into the wall if you want, or it's battery powered. So he's like, man, I can play, I was like a portable amp and I can, I can go out there. a walking
1: concert. A walking
0: concert. <laughs> a pig nose is, pig nose is a very distinct sound.
1: Dude, I got a pig nose because of this movie. Yes. Was 16.
0: A telly married with a pig nose—it's—it's it's a sound. Oh yeah, that is, you can't reproduce that sound. It,
1: nope, you can't do it digitally.
0: And you know, quite honestly, do pig are so inexpensive. <laughs> Just, yeah, you 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 I forget about—I mean, uh, used ones, the used ones—the used ones um, are the way to go because the newer ones have a little more digital circuitry in them. But the old right. ones, they're, but they're so inexpensive—you still get them for like 125 bucks, and they yeah. sound amazing. Anyway, so he, so he's super stoked, and he's like, "Yeah, and he's just on the back, just in the background." How we gonna
1: pay for that guitar, man? Yeah, we don't have any money. And then he he says he points at his watch. He gives you, know, and then then Willie goes to work.
0: Okay, Willie goes to work. Come over here, let's let's do some business. Um, and we see, you know, Billy kind of pull him aside and start talking to him. And, and what's the line? What does he? What does Eugene say to him?
1: Oh, he's he he grabs the hat. He goes, "What do you think, Willie?" hey willie take a look at this hat all i need is a mississippi string tie i'm ready to roll yeah you need a lot more than that
0: (laughs) willie turns back to the pawn shop guy and go back to work and we don't see the deal that he's making we just assume he's making a deal for the guitar and the pig nose they're back on the road now and it's Fucking raining balls. We, get, we we don't get a lot of rain in this movie, but the rain is very symbolic and in, and in, in, in movies in general. But it, it's not lost here. It's one hundred percent. When it's raining, there's a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. And it's and it forces Willie and Eugene into this the abandoned house. By the way, this is a big house. It <laughs> is. It's a massive house, and they get in there and they start you know brushing off the the water off of them and. Here we are with meet Francis. We meet Francis for the first time and there's Jamie Gertz and she pulls a knife on him.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And she's like, I am going want to cut you. I'll, I'll Cut you. Get the fuck out. This is my house. And I'm like, man, that's a big ass house. You could get your own. You can be on right? the first floor all by yourself. No one's gonna harass you.
1: And Willie and, and Willie is not dude, he ain't having any of that shit. No, man. Willie's dude, engaged. He's <laughs> cowering behind uh, Willie and Willie's like giving her shit. Come on, Missy. Let's go. <laughs> he's like, let's go. Let's go now.
0: Let's do this. And, he, and they kind of go out And, and like a, Eugene's in the background Just like he's mortified He's feared but also like oh she's pretty hot
1: Right <laughs> he's like he's intrigued But he's also terrified yeah.
0: He's like I'm a, I'm a boy of privilege You're a hot runaway that Run <laughs> <laughs> my, my bode well for me later on I'll play some blues for you Give me some booty
1: Right. So just swap <laughs> it
0: <laughs> He's like what? oh yeah I'm heading out to LA I'm
1: on the road They call me Blind Dog Fulton also known as Willie Brown. Also- what about him? Lightning Boy Martone, also known as Eugene. Lightning Boy and Blind Dog. What the hell are you guys supposed to be, huh? We're both bluesmen. Yeah, I'm the blues man. He's from Long Island.
0: Ah. Trailer line, and it's still funny.
1: Yep. Oh, it's great. She's like, yep, well, I'm getting out of here, and blah, blah, blah. And so she's like, Later dudes and they, uh, and Willie's like, come on, man, get your shit. What man, it's rain. We just can get, get your shit, man. She's got a leg. What? She's got a leg. <laughs> Some you ain't got. And he's like, uh, Eugene's a little slow yeah. <laughs> about things, right. you know, life on the road. Right? Um, what Willie is getting at is that, you know, it's a lot easier to get picked up on the road hitchhiking. If you got a pretty girl with you, yeah. than it is you got, uh, an old dude and a young dude.
0: Right. And just before that, we finally learned Eugene's age. Cause we don't hear his age before that. other than, you know, he got into Juilliard early. We don't know how old he is, but then we find out he's 17 as is his runaway counterpart. Francis. And he's like, all oh, right, man, we're in the wheelhouse. So you're not 18. So we're all good. Yeah. We can do, we can do this.
1: <laughs> you know, she's are my age. So, you know, she runs out into the rainstorm, Right. Yeah, the flags the immediately flags down a car. <laughs> <laughs> By
0: the way, some just some. Uh, it's an abandoned house in the middle of nowhere, but there's a car just rolls up. This it's is right,
1: well, it's right off of the main freeway, right? Or the main uh, whatever that is. It's another fare. reason.
0: It's another reason why there you feel, you feel that there's divine intervention involved in the whole movie, not just the the evil aspect of it, the devil aspect of it, but maybe uh, another higher power is involved in their uh, in their road trip. Because most people in some of the situations they run into usually don't bode well for them. (laughs) Usually they don't come out unscathed like they do most of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we could say that there probably, there definitely is some sort of force guiding, you know, the three of them if you will, or, okay. you know, the people that come in and out of the main two's life. Um, so, you know, they, they, they run out. Willie's, you know, trying to get Eugene to, <laughs> I feel like Willie is leading, always leading Eugene, you know, and then they, you know, they get in the bag of the car. Yep. <laughs> they just get there before the guy peels out. I, you know, the first time I saw, I was like, man, he's just going to ditch and they're all going to get stuck. <laughs> and then, you know, but you know, nope, he didn't. They all got into the car and, you know, off to the next spot. I'm getting off at the next stop so the guy drops him he drops him at the motel bar. We we cut we see uh Eugene and Willie playing some music outside of the bar. Yeah, right. for right. money. And there's you know some of the patrons are out there they're having a good time. It's like a, it's like a they're it's drinking. It's like, right. a juke joint. it's like a it's like a it's not a really a juke joint. It's a uh it's kind of a motel.
0: It's like a bar on a motel property kind of
1: Yeah, it's seedy. It looks like a place where you'd get hookers.
0: Right. And there's a good reason for that. (laughs) There's
1: a great reason for that. Because it is. Because it is. Lloyd?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That that, that one that Dennis lips from Lipscomb plays. Yeah, the guy, Lloyd, yeah. the guy who owns, owns and, the old Lloyd's and, bar. <laughs> he at a hotel. just he just busting balls on on Willie and, and Eugene. Oh,
1: dude, he's just being so nasty. He's about just
0: it. being a dick. Everybody was enjoying the music outside too. He was like, right? whatever. He's just like, no man. If I can't make any money off this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out. Get out of here.
1: Well, he's also racist.
0: Oh, he's a serious too. racist. It's yeah. like,
1: Welcome to the South.
0: It's, dude, it's such a rough scene. He's like, hey, and then Eugene gets defensive. Like, hey, man, you can't talk to people like that. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, son. Why don't you come back to my office? And I take up my 357 and you can tell me what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. He's like, oh, man, we don't want any trouble. <laughs> Just, we're all good, man. It's good. So then we cut to Eugene and... And Seneca, they're just kind of leaning against a, a trash bin while he's playing his brand new telly and <laughs> pig nose, and just playing the blues because <laughs> they got nowhere to go. While while this is all happening,
1: we see Gertz come out of the mo- come out of the bar. Yeah,
0: she's just walking across the hall to to a room, and she's got a key.
1: And Eugene can't stop staring at her.
0: Yeah, he's just like, oh, there's my girl.
1: And, and, and Seneca's just like, don't do it, Lightning.
0: <laughs> don't do it. And when we see, who we see follow her into the room. Who's in the room with her, I should
1: say. I oh, yeah, a creepy-ass Lloyd. She, <laughs> Lloyd's there, like, she's, too. She's not really good. He's like, looks like she is. He's like, oh, man. I just love Seneca's, like, cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, well, you know, looks like she is, lightning.
0: Every little thing, isn't just this, but every, every little thing he runs into, and he just kind of leans in on Eugene just to kind of well, stick him uh, with pens.
1: Well, again, because Eugene, dude, Eugene has not experienced anything no. in his life. He doesn't no. understand. It, you know, you know, she's not doing it. She's doing it because she has to. Right. She needs the money. You know, wherever she's running away from is obviously worse than whatever's going to happen to her in that hotel room. In her mind, in her mind, right?
0: So uh, Lloyd says, "I'm going to go take a shower and <laughs> wash all my stank off," <laughs> which I thought was really weird. You get naked, babe, and I'll wave and just wave for me. And so.
1: She's and well, basically says, I'm going to turn you into a trick and you can turn tricks out of here and yeah. pay me a certain amount, you know, right. blah, 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 young girl. And it just gets real creepy. And yeah. Dirty. I think when he says he's going to wash his stank off, I feel like he's saying, I'm going to go, I I, I am a disgusting human being and I'm going to go in there and try to get cl- a little cleaned up, but it's not going to help.
0: No, exactly.
1: The stank ain't coming off ever.
0: <laughs> no. And, and the lines that he kind of shares, they're like, you know, like, yeah, you're right. This is we ideal hooks out of here. I got, I have John's come in here and I got, I got the, got the hookers all lined up and you can join the crew and, and something like you can earn a few bucks for sure. You can just see it in her face. She's like, what am I doing? But she knows that she, and again, like you said, in her mind, she feels like she has. this is the only way she can get any money. So while he's in the shower, <laughs> he's like talking to her going, you ready for me, babe? He's getting ready. <laughs> Eugene comes into the knock on the door. Just I think he just got kicks in the door, right?
1: No, he not. He, he knocks on it, yeah. and she's like, "What?" And he's oh, like, yeah. "It's me, Eugene." Yeah. And she's like, "Get out!" What? Then he, and he let me in, and he comes in, and she's like, "What?" And then they're kind of looking at then. She's like, "Okay," when he comes out, clobbering, <laughs> and then she starts going through his pants for his fucking wallet.
0: Yeah. She's got one move, dude. <laughs> she's got one move, and it's like knock that fuck around. And you get the, you get that same the same attitude later on too in the bar with the gun. Yeah, and she's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm like, she's showing, even though she's on the she's on the road and she's a runaway. Like she mentions, this is her fourth time on the road away from home. That she's just as green to that life as Eugene is green to the blues man's life. And so they're both full of themselves and they over, and they get each other, each other gets in over their head more than once.
1: Just like teenagers do.
0: Yes. Because you're 17. Yeah, man. Teenagers.
1: Eugene's kind of hiding behind
0: the the doorwell and the doorway of the bathroom and out comes Lloyd and he's like, (laughs) he's
1: like, hey, you're dressed. What are you still doing dressed? He's in a towel. (laughs) Do it, Eugene. (laughs) Knock him out. What? And then, yeah, then he jumps on his back and he it's really super one. weirdly awkward. And I'm like, all the the dude is wearing is just a towel, man. Right. And how does that towel not come off? Towels the not come and off. And I was
0: like, going wait for the towel to come off. And I'm like, well, you know what? If this is a 1996 movie, the towel would not come off.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But now, now Eugene has been, you know, now Eugene has failed. He did, he missed his, you know, he's been flipped onto the bed and, you know, now shit's about to get bad because, you know, Lloyd is fucking, you know. Lloyd's a man, and yeah. What, whatever. I mean, he just he could quickly dispatch of both these kids, right? right. And, and, and he's going to call the cops and all this shit's. gonna Now it's fucked. They they're trying to rob him. Right. And what happens next?
0: It, and Mr. Seneca, our man, the blues man himself, with a brown comes and kicks the door, and in case the door, but he pulls out a gun. You know, like, a
1: gun. What the hell's a gun?
0: He had a gun this whole time, and he kind of clicks. Oh. Well, we know we didn't just buy a guitar and a pig nose at the punch off. Right. Nope. He picked himself a nice little wheel gun. And he's got to point at Lloyd and saying, nope, this is it. You're going to let us go. We're going to be on our way. You're going to give us your money and we're going to get the fuck out. And he's like, so he just grab him the- and out of his wallet, man. Get his wallet. And he's threatening him. He's like, but at this point, now we see Lloyd kind of turn.
1: We also see what Willie Brown is. You know, Willie Willie is the real deal. Yeah. He sh- and he has shot someone before.
0: Yeah. We're starting to see now how he got in prison. It's you know, the hobo life, man. The hobo you know, life.
1: You do what you gotta do. It's the blues. He's living the blues. He writes songs about this shit.
0: Yeah. And he tells him, he goes, hey, man, we're going to borrow your car for you. <laughs> so
1: and I'm going to tell you where we're going to leave it.
0: We're going to leave it in, in Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Y- yep. <laughs> It'll be fine. there yeah. nothing wrong with it. And
0: you're probably like going to Florida. You ain't going to Florida. We know that. Right. Lloyd doesn't know that.
1: Now he's got to send the cops somewhere. Yeah. Because he know Lloyd's a piece of shit and he's going to fucking rat, you know.
0: Right. The second he gets out of the room, <laughs> he's going to call the police.
1: Even though, you know, they, did, they do throw the whole, like, you know, I'm 15 statutory, you know. Oh, yeah. they, they got Lloyd a little scared, but you still got to, you know, you still know the moment he, that they leave, he's going to get a little braver. Yeah. And he's going to call the good old boys. So, you know, it's a little misdirection on uh, Willie Brown's part.
0: Yep. And now... Eugene's driving down the road with a stolen Cadillac. He's like, man, I gotta have my head checked.
1: (laughs) Right? And he's just complaining and going on. Everything's all, it's all wrong. And, and, you know, and even Jamie Gertz is like, man, you're a crybaby. Right? (laughs) It's it's like, I I lose, man.
0: And just before that, Eugene's so, so worked up about it. He's in super panic mode and he keeps thinking that there's cars, like just police cars. There's a state
1: trooper back there.
0: The <laughs> state trooper is like, there's no car back there. <laughs> what are you talking about? And uh, so they, so they pull over to this junkyard, the three of them and pull a caddy in. And then we're, we're just listening to Eugene and Francis talk about their home lives and everything like that. And as we kind of find out that Francis is a four-time runaway and her stepdad's an asshole and, you know, it was my life with her. Was there? And she was kind of alluding to the fact that maybe he. Yeah, dude,
1: there was some, just, you know, some, some creepy shit some going on. Some shady
0: stuff going on there. No different than why she was still, why she was willing to do what she was going to do with Lloyd. Because, you know what, I might as well get paid for it kind of attitude. Right. You see Willie really, um, making a deal with the, with the junkyard, dude, we, you to buy you know this stolen caddy. It, and, and yes, you recognize,
1: you recognize him, right? From oh, Johnny yeah. Handsome. Yes. Fucking Larry. My
0: man, J.W. Smith, <laughs> making the deal for him because that's a hell of a Cadillac right there.
1: <laughs> I laughed so hard, dude. That made me so happy. I was like, good God, it's Larry.
0: Going, are you? Well, you willing to make a deal with all the paperwork and all that bullshit? And he's like,
1: I don't want to hear about no paperwork. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's like, all right, then. And so we come back over and Francis is talking to Eugene still. And now she's talking about the dancing job that she's gotten for a waiting in LA. It's like a dancing job. And he's like, She's like, yeah, oh. 100, make a hundred bucks a night. He goes, oh, that's some dancing.
1: Right? Like it doesn't hit him. Like he's so, he's so green. He he's didn't so get it.
0: green. Even, even when he just, exp- oh, he, he kind of says, he Stalks says it in Star a way where like, well, yeah, if he had this conversation before the hotel, then he wouldn't know what she was talking about. But Never. He has an idea.
1: Now he's starting to, show, oh, yeah.
0: yeah. He gets it now.
1: Yeah. He's starting to get some, he's starting to earn his stripes, man.
0: Yep. Now we see Willie Eugene and Francis walking because, you know. We're there with our wheels now, <laughs> and love this really wide shot that they have while well, we're getting a little bit of dialogue. And they know it's a nice lockdown shot of this barn in the background as they're walking towards it. Hey, you know, we're gonna crash here for the night. You can tell you can kind of get the vibe. They're just yeah, kinda, it's a huge barn too. I think it's massive. And as they walk into the barn, Eugene is telling her like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna t- teach me Robert Johnson's Lost Song and." And this is going to be his way into the blues scene. And I'm going to have this song and everyone's going to know who I am kind of thing. He's after fame. The worst kind of thing you want to be in the South when, you know, the crossroads of there and the devil waiting to make a deal with you.
1: Right. All the things that have led Willie, Robert Johnson to that point. And many others. Yeah.
0: One of those many others we'll, we'll meet later on too, which is. We will. Oh my gosh. So good. Francis is like, man, she's just. She thinks it sounds like bullshit, and, and ironically, she's like, I
1: love the old bastard too. I mean, know? how can you not? But I know, a, I know a grifter. Yeah, and he's like, "What the fuck? What are you saying to me?" You know, and he fucking flips out. He's like, "Nuts up on her!"
0: And that happens later on in the while they're in the bar when she's just like, oh, "I don't buy into him. I love, I am, you know, I like the guy, but come on, I'm on. I've been on the road, man. I know some shit. I don't. buy This dude's a scumbag. He's lying to you." He just, he just said whatever you wanted you to hear so you'd break him out of the damn nursing home. Right. They're having this conversation because Willie went to go lay down and he's like super tired. And, you know, this is when Eugene starts telling her, I'm worried about his health, man. He's almost 80. And if he dies here on the road, man, I'm going f- <laughs> to feel fucking terrible. Plus, I'm not going to know what the hell to do with him if he dies. She's like, well, we got to take him to the hospital then. He's like, no, I ain't taking him to the hospital. They're just going to send him back to Harlem to die. He's like, I, you know, I can't let that happen. I promise I'd get him home. And that's when they get in their argument about the legitimacy of, will, of him being the, will, the right. real Willie Brown. And, or
1: that there's any lost song or anything else. Right.
0: Just, just starts going at it. Just, he is Willie Brown. He's the first acknowledged master of the country blues harmonica. The guy is a legend. You understand? Just kind of just lays it out there. Right. You're just a, you're just a runaway shit with a quick mouth. <laughs> Right? Like, wow. Well, that's not going to get you laid. Or is it? <laughs> well, as it turns out, she's really fond of good dudes that yell at her.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. She kind of likes it. Right? He comes back, he apologizes, and, you know, cue music. Yeah.
0: So Francis and, and him head up. And, well, Francis starts to climb the ladder to the loft after, you know, Eugene chews her out. And then he kind of, you know, feels bad. So he follows her up there and apologizes and stuff. And he's just like, Oh whatever! It's like I like you. I want you to stay with us.
1: <laughs> I like you.
0: And she's like, and she's digging it. So they start magging. They fall out of off of out of frame, and we fade to black. Like, it's, it's the old fifties way of dealing. People doing the do. I like yeah. it. It was perfect. We cut to two cops. They this, just this mid shot, you know, medium shot or like a midway Big, shot, right? Two cops, two cops with their guns a, drawn. And a farmer
1: and a, right? a farmer He's with a shotgun and <laughs> just walking right? through the barn. Oh, shit. Shit's about to get bad. We pull wide. I'm like, oh, shit. Dude, it's Wally
0: Taylor, man. I was so stoked when I saw him. I was like going, and I did not remember him being in the movie. Me neither. And then, you know, Wally Taylor from Escape from New York, and he is in Rocky Street. But also, he's in Freddy favorite. The
1: golden child. He is. And you don't know. I was was like, it took me a moment. I was like, oh, no, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. And I had to, and I was like, I couldn't believe my eyes. And I had to look it up. And I was like, man, this movie just keeps getting better. It does.
0: It just like everything we talk about with Walter Hillman, these people come out of nowhere. You're like, oh, yeah, always good stuff. So they find Willie on the car seat where we last saw him. And then Eugene needs all the commotion, but the loft and he kind of goes to the edge of the loft. And he looks down and sees all the, and he sees the cop and the the farmer and Willie kind of, whoa, what the, what the hell? And OZ looks up and says, looks like we got a couple of lovebirds up top.
1: Yep. Lovebirds.
0: <laughs> they come on down and, and they're kind of chatting them up and see what's going on. They find Francis's money clip. Yeah, you know, they're, they're all kind of keeping chill and, and. But Willie's saying, in i they're just, you know, I'm just a, I'm just an old man and they're young kids and they're looking out for me and they're looking out for me and we're, we're not doing, we're not causing any problems. And he, Ozzy, just kind of gets to the point where he's like, you know what?
1: You tell it to the sheriff.
0: I'm going to have to hand you over to Sheriff Tilford. And you're like, Sheriff Tilford. I'm like, going, who the hell is Sheriff Tilford? Well, we cut to them all the, the car, the cop car sitting by a bridge by a river. And O.Z. and his deputy are leaning against the car. Obviously, we're waiting for Tilford to show up. Our heroes are in the backseat of O.Z.'s of cruiser. And we're just waiting for this sheriff dude, to show up. And the sheriff, oh, my gosh, dude, I'm so stoked. Now, John Hancock, you know who John Hancock is. I know you hear the name, Mike. Oh, who do you think he is? I went, John Hancock is in a lot of shit.
1: Oh, yeah, man. And
0: it, it, you've seen him. I assure you, we've seen, we, you've seen, he's in movies that we've talked about.
1: Not just or that we're gonna talk about.
0: <laughs> movies that we're gonna talk about, but movies we also mentioned too. We've yeah, man- no, we've no, mentioned totally. the in-laws, uh, Yeah, airplane too, we mentioned briefly. Tank uh, Rapid Fire, we mentioned as well. He's got in yeah. that. Uh, and then the over oh, so underrated collision course with our man Pat Morita and Jay Leno. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, man. And he's also in Fortune Dane with Carl Weathers.
0: Oh, see? There you go. There's some more crossover with uh with Rocky World. Yeah. And John Hancock's awesome. He, he always plays the same kind of guy. And his uh Sheriff Tilford is no different than that. And he delivers it hard. He's the same kind of no-nonsense guy that OZ is. He's like, I ain't time for your bullshit, kids. The whole time that our heroes in the back seat, they're freaking out over it. You know, they don't know what to do. You got to... It sounds, it looks to me like this is the this is definitely the first time Eugene's have been in the back of a cop car,
1: (laughs) yeah, absolutely.
0: And this may or may not be the first time that she's been in the back of a cop car, but ain't the first time that Willie's been back there,
1: no, it's not, especially not in the south,
0: nope. And he says, What's gonna happen to me, man? What's gonna happen to me? He's like, Well, back in the day, (laughs) they used to just have us in the back of these cars and drive us out the middle of a field and
1: basic, and he doesn't finish it,
0: yeah. So Tilford. Walks up in and, he, and he says, hey, you know what? You three. Out of the car. <laughs> Starts monologuing him, but bottom line, is like, hey, vagrants aren't very really popular in this county.
1: Right. So take your ass across that bridge and yeah. you're in somebody else's county. Yeah,
0: you're Sheriff Fowler's problem now. So they uncuff him per his order. And Frances isn't going to be, you know, sit there lying down. She says, what about my money? And she's getting all shitty about it too. Like, where's and my like, money? He's like, what money? And Tilfer's like... I'm like, what do you mean? And your man right there, he took my money. He's like, he looks at OZ and OZ gives him this look of like, no, He doesn't shake his head or anything. Just gives him a look. And Telford goes, he didn't say anything to me about any money. And she goes, this is bullshit. And then he walks up to her slowly, takes off his hat and says, you know what? If you want, I can send you up to that youth farm and you can wait there while you wait to press charges. We'll treat you real nice there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. It it gets gets real dark right here. Real
0: fast. And basically you threatening. I'm going to toss you into a youth camp and and you're going to be there until you're 18. So that's your choice. And Willie kind of sees what's going on. She goes, no, no, we're good. We'll be on our way. And then Willie has one of the best lines of the movie.
1: Yep. Walks
0: up to him and says, things seem to change in this county. Then again, they kind of seem the same, don't they? And off they go and towards the bridge. And as they go and Willie busts out his harmonica and starts playing as he's walking across the the bridge and then just casually looks behind him like going, yeah, motherfucker, we're on our way. And it was, uh, it was such a great moment. And and it sets up the beginning of the troubles that they're going to run into along the way.
1: You know what I just thought about? Uh, I'm just going to sit for a second. This movie also kind of has a very similar um, sort of, to the warriors. Yeah. You know, they're just the, the whole, like, you know, they're trying to get home, mm-hmm. um, you know, back down to Willow. Will, and Will said, cause this, this moment really kind of reminds me of like, you know, it, it also has like some, you know, an oddly Greek tragedy. Um, oh yeah. Vibe going on, you know, that this moment in particular, when he starts to play the harmonica as they're going across the river, right. um, you know, after that moment, it really hit me hard. And it just, the just the visual of him on the harmonica never looks back. No. After you know, as a it just, you know, just hit me right in the moment. Sorry.
0: No, no. That's and that's a great point. Road movies are always like that. Road movies always involve, you know, point A to point B type of story. And even though this is a road movie, yeah, we know he's trying to get home. We know, but it's it's only a point B for Willie. The thing about the, the typical road movie you got an A to B. And now while Willie's got an A to B story here, Eugene really doesn't. He doesn't have his, his end result is he's not trying to get somewhere. He's trying to learn something. He's trying to learn that last song. And so he can go on the road. His, his, his point B is the end of his life. He's just, this isn't really about his A to B. That's what's funny about it. Even though Eugene seems to be the main character in this, it's really Willie's story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: about, about him having his redemption eventually through the hands of, of Eugene, which is, makes this that Greek tragedy type story we talked about earlier that you mentioned earlier. Next time we see them, they're uh, checking into some hotel and uh, Willie busts out the emergency (laughs) funds. It's 40 bucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then while he's checking in, he's talking to the clerk and talking her up and he pulls out that crayon drawing that we saw him doing at the nursing home. And he says, hey, do you know, do you know a place around here that looks like this? I think the crossroads. Now, see, one of the things about this movie is like when you you see Willie questioning somebody about the location of the crossroads.
1: Or Fulton's Point. Or Fulton's
0: Point. you're, You're falling into the trap of, oh, maybe he doesn't know shit. Maybe, maybe Francis is right. But well, really what it comes down to, he's an old
1: man. Yeah, man, totally. He just maybe doesn't remember. It's <laughs> and, been a long time and he's, right. dude, there's a lot of miles in between that 16 year old Willie. Right. And the 80 year old Willie.
0: Right. Uh, Cause the scene just before it's when he makes a comment about him being, you know, saying Eugene tells him, tells her he's almost 80. Well, that means when he was, when he made his deal with the devil, he was, it's been a good 63, 65 years since yeah. that happened. Man, I forget something that happened 60 minutes ago.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, you know, things change a yeah. lot from, from 1938 to 1986.
0: Right. You know? And, and she's just like, the, the the clerk is like, man, I I, I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. And he starts getting shitty with her. He's just like real stern. He says, "What do you mean you've ever seen this?" And she goes, "Well, the only place I've ever seen like that is in Weevil, two miles down the road." Weevil. And he's like, "Weevil, I know that old town." And then Eugene says, "What do you know where Fulton's Point is?" He's like, "Oh man, I know where Fulton's Point is." Which is, <laughs> I think it's so funny that even though it is, it's it's his name, right? It's Blind Dog Fulton, so he keeps saying Fulton's Point. It's like, of course, he knows where Fulton's Point. And he's what do you what do these guys fucking name from? Right. But I think it's funny they never they never talk about the fact is Fulton's Point named after him or does he name himself after Fulton's Point?
1: Well, it's a piece of property he owns, right? He see, he keeps saying, "I got this little like this little piece of property." He's does he? Fulton's Point. Yeah, he man. says it a couple of times.
0: I don't mention. I don't. I, I, oh man, maybe I just didn't make the connection. And that was it. But again, sixty three years or so. Yeah, man, been a long time.
1: We don't really know. We don't really, as viewers, don't really know what Willie's up to at this point. We don't know. We've seen the flashbacks, but, I mean, it could all be bullshit. And
0: we've seen the type of guy that Willie can be that got him in prison to begin with. But what we haven't seen is, all right, what's the proof, man? What's the proof that you're Willie Brown? like, But, like, in your own words, man. Everybody plays a harmonica where you're from, <laughs> so I'm not buying it, man. I'm not buying who you are. and I think it's really good, too, because you' it's still ambiguous. you're still you could easily lean one way or the other, and you can lean one way or the other in the same moment. So now we cut to it's nighttime now, and our trio is walking down an unpaved street in the middle of town, they're still in a, you know a real We're
1: in deep south, ma'am.
0: Yeah, where's deep south? There's not a lot of paved roads. And this is more like a, a western town, the way it's set up, with the unpaved roads. And it, they're not very wide, very narrow roads. And these buildings, even though they're across the street from each other, are practically on top of each other.
1: They're yeah, like tenement towns, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they walk up to a bar, they're on the outside of it, and they say, oh, man, that's that's Sunny Krupp's place. And it looks exactly the same that it did 40 years ago. <laughs> he's lamenting about those times and cost you 50 cents for a glass of whiskey. I'm like, when he said that, I'm like, 40 years Wait, in 1944, <laughs> they were charging 50 cents for a glass of whiskey. That's the rib off. he had I'm thinking that he's like, oh, and he admits he goes, it was robbery. They were stealing from us for 50 cents a glass.
1: Right? He knew it was bullshit.
0: Yeah. So f- this is the torchies, I guess, if you will, <laughs> of the movie.
1: Right. And this is where he <laughs> says, look, man, you go over there and you make, you got, you get you guys go on your side and I'll stay on my side of the street. Go in there and make some money. How?
0: <laughs> and he goes, My boy, you're so green.
1: Hope you wasn't so green up in that lot.
0: You need to learn how to use your whip. And then she goes, <laughs> Francis goes, Don't worry, Willie. That shit works. He's <laughs> an animal. Everything, everything works just fine. So he hands him the gun, sticks it, in, and he goes, Take this iron and stick it in your waist. And you might have to show it. it's like a rough place. Go in there and bring home the big eagle.
1: <laughs> I'm like, bring home the what does that mean? Bring home the big eagle. I don't know, man. So maybe like, a, you know, yeah, I don't know either. I think, he, I think it's just him sort of fucking, you know, I think it's just sort of him fucking with a kid again, you know, maybe it's something that probably meant something, you know, 40 years ago, but nobody would know what it meant in 1986.
0: <laughs> right. And, and then Eugene is just like, he's not, he's not having it, but now his, now Francis is, doubts and who Willie really is, is creeping into and is invading.
1: Daniel or Eugene's own head. I'm sorry. I called him Daniel. I knew what you meant.
0: <laughs> Come on, dude. That's what we do. Daniel Nobody... La
1: Russa, Gene. Martin. There's no
0: Daniel in the movie, so People know who you're talking about. Yeah, right. The fact that we haven't referred to him as a karate kid more than once is good. Or Ralph. <laughs> or Ralph. No, I thought I did. It did not matter. Anyway. Well, we did now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's, just, and he's just pissed off, you know. He is like, fuck this, man. What happened to the great Willie Brown, the greatest hobo that ever lived? Couldn't he just walk in there and clean that place up? And he goes, yeah, man, I used to do that. I could still do it, but. You know, Fulton's place doesn't exist. You, and I feel like all you did was just call me to get you out of a damn nursing home so you wouldn't die there. And then he just storms off, right? And then Francis looks at Willie and Willie turns around and starts to walk into the opposite direction. And he's walking into what looks like another bar. She's like, where are you going, Willie? He's like, I do my business on this side of the road. You white folks do your business on that side. That's the way they get things done in Mississippi. I'm like, oh, damn. Right. So rough stuff, man. Because this is a Walter Hill movie, <laughs> we got to the inside of a cowboy bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Torchy.
0: <laughs> it's Torchy's, man. This is Torchy's. Bartender uh, approaches Eugene, who's standing at the bar now, clearly underage, and he knows it too. <laughs> and he goes, You got an ID, son? He's like, No, man, not on me. He's like, Mm hmm. So he just mm-hmm. pours him a glass, right?
1: Guess one snort won't hurt anything.
0: Right. And as we cut to Frances, she's kind of working the room and she starts dancing with some dude. And who's who is she dancing with? That's Ed Walsh.
1: Harley Typhoon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he's oh dude, I love he's so good in this dude. I, it's just he, and this and he's playing the, the part perfectly. I cut back over to Eugene, and you know, after her and her after Ed and uh, Francis go off to go to dance, cut back to Eugene at the bar, and bartender says, "Yeah, that's a buck." I'm like, "Going, wow, man! Time <laughs> in 40 years, it's only doubled in price." So the bartender asks for money, and Eugene's like, "Hey, man, why don't? Can I, how about you? Uh, how about I play some music for my drinks?" And the bartender says, "You know what? I'll stand you the drink. Just get drinking, get the fuck out of here, because <laughs> I'm, you're underage. I know it. You know that I know it. Do,
1: right? I mean, you know he he looks all of seventeen. He he, and it's funny because he was probably yeah. twenty five at the time or twenty six. Yeah. But he, you know, he was one of those guys who was gifted. Looked, you know, seventeen until he was thirty five. Yeah.
0: He does this thing, uh, uh, in these earlier movies, where he stands with his mouth open. A lot or off macho.
1: Oh yeah, not unlike it, Corey Haim.
0: Right. And it's and it tell it sells a certain, you know, an in innocence where like yes. his jaw is constantly like in he's in awe and constantly because he or has disbelief. no idea. No. Yep. What? No. So, Timer. That alarm goes off the most perfect times. <laughs> so we cut to the inside of the blues bar now. And then Willie Willie is working his stories, man. And <laughs> he's just talking he's talking about his woman cuz you know what? He's talked enough about it, but he hasn't found himself a woman yet. <laughs> he said he no, man. that was that was part of his agenda too that he mentioned at the nursing home. Line. When we get down it there, was. I got to find myself a lady.
1: Yeah, man. He had he's been married three times. He just wore them all out. Yeah.
0: He said like I think I'm ready for a new one. <laughs> like hey, he's 80, dude. I need another lady in my life. So he's just delivering a story to this girl, this woman, and she's just not convinced, man. <laughs> she and she doesn't believe him. You know, it doesn't seem like it anyway. And he doesn't seem to care, man. He's, he's on a mission. He's, and he's just going to keep the, dishing it out as much as he can until somebody buys into it. We cut back over to the cowboy bar. And now we see Harley going to the bar to see the bartender we saw earlier. And he goes to pay for the new round of drinks that he's getting for her, him and Francis he finds his wallet's gone. He's like, what? Where's my wallet? So he rolls up on Francis for his wallet. And who's there with him?
1: Our good buddy, Alan Graff.
0: Alan Graff is right there. So you know, I'm like, oh, there's going to be, you know, as soon as you see him, I'm like, there's going to be a fight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's so good.
0: Ed's giving, Ed Walsh is giving her crap, saying, where's my wallet? Give me my wallet. And then Eugene just steps in and he just like, you know, well, get off her ass, man. If he's, you know, if he said that, she says that he didn't take the wallet, he didn't take your wallet. And, and he said, and, and then Ed's giving it back to him. And Curtis course, this is where Francis runs her mouth. <laughs> this is the green. That's
1: what she does. This
0: is her green moment for her, you know, the road kid. This is, the, she says, you better apologize before my friend takes out his gun. <laughs> He's like, oh, you got a gun? Huh? He goes, yeah, I got a gun. And he shows it to him as a waste. And then you hear the, you hear the cocking of a shotgun, right? Yep. <laughs> and they cut over and there's the bartender, the cool bartender, but he's Played by Harry
1: he's, Carey Jr.
0: Yes. Pragmatic bartender. <laughs> he just kind of like, a oh,
1: even fuck. keel.
0: He's, he's pissed. Cause he's like, you guys are making me do this. Don't make me do this. And he just son, hand over the piece. Give it to me. And he doesn't hesitate. You you Eugene, nope. go, here's my gun. I don't care. I don't want it anyway.
1: Reminded me of Belushi in Red Heat when Belushi's like, and he gives up the gun and they've got him, you know, (laughs) he flips it up.
0: The way he sets it down on the bar, it's very weird because he, the camera was locked down like right on the bar and he sets it down. He So he sets it in, he sets the, 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 the gun down into frame, which I thought was really weird. It was almost like there was something more that was supposed to happen with it. It's a, it's a, it's, I don't say it's a cliched shot. It's a shot you've seen before. And it's usually followed by something other, some other action with the gun would have happened at that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe something did. Dude, Ed Walsh is like not letting us go. And then he's, and he peels back and he goes, all right, well, I'm not happy with this. And he's going to take a shot at Eugene, but he ducks. And who does, who takes the punch for him? Alan Graff. Alvin
1: played by Alan Graff.
0: And all out bar brawl starts until, I'm just kidding. There's no, there was no bar fight. There's was like two punches thrown one right. on Alan. Alan threw one back and then the bartender shoots his lights out. Shoots the lights out. And that cliche bar fight ends before it really even starts. Yeah. So it's great. Good. So good. Again, dude, the guy's already like launched a couple of, of uh, shells, right? And he's still super calm. Did you take his wallet miss? Cause if you did give it back to him, Harley's dumb. But that don't mean he deserves to have his wallet stolen. <laughs> he has right? a family and they need the money. And she just looks super guilty about it. And so she takes out the wallet. Oh, she did take his wallet. We knew he did, but that was the first time we actually saw it.
1: Right. We Because we know this about her. She's not above stealing somebody's wallet. We've yeah. seen it already.
0: Yeah. The line, the last line from Harry Carey Jr. You two got a lot of growing up to do. Right. <laughs> and then he lets him go. And I'm like... That was like the coolest character in any movie ever. (laughs) Yep. Totally. He could have been a total, in a Torchy scene, he could have been a total dick. Right. He would have been Peter Jason. Yeah. He would have been Peter Jason, but no, he was super cool. I'm like, oh man, like that's my favorite character in this movie now. Cut back to the blues bar here in walks Francis and Eugene. And of course the the patrons around there immediately approach him. And just like with the other bar, um, Inside the blues bar, not a lot of white people inside the blues bar. Unlike the other across the way where there was not a lot of black people, there were none either, just to kind of make my point. Right. Willie sees what's about to happen. He sees things starting to go bad where all these patrons are approaching Eugene and Francis and telling them they're, they're in the wrong bar. So Willie just takes off. You you think he's bailing. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I'm ditching those kids. I'm not getting in a fight. I'm 80. And then you just hear this harmonica blur out. But just before that, one of the patrons says to them, this is so good. You come in the juke with your guitar, dressed to play, and a black man's juke? I'm surprised you can walk. Boy, you got balls this big. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he just opens his hand super wide. And that's where we hear the harmonica ring out and everybody turns to the stage. And Willie starts being the hype man for our man- Eugene. Lightning boy. Lightning boy. And introduces Lightning boy. Let him through. I said, let him through. And he, Willie's just doing his whole thing.
1: And we see a real live blues man.
0: Oh, man, this is so good. And he's getting, trying to get Eugene up on stage. He gets up on stage and he gets in Eugene's ear and says, We're going to get heat from this side if we don't take them back home. He starts playing. Then the band joins in and the crowd is swayed almost instantly. (laughs) And the right? whole, and then they just start jamming. Now, this is the first time we got to see the two of them play together, and it's like instant because the thing is, we've watched Willie play harmonica like just riffing without you yep. know without um, him around. But and he, we've also seen Willie watch Eugene play, so he knows what Eugene can do. But soon enough, man, boom, they're just jamming and like like they rehearsed it, and they're just going.
1: And Willie knows how to swing the lead, man. Oh man,
0: so good. And they're just going at it, just tearing up the place, just bringing the house down. And they cut to a woman, uh, probably in her late 30s, early 40s, somewhere around there. And she's standing next to Jamie Gertz. And and she goes, that's Willie Brown. And she goes, really? Because that's the real Willie Brown. I used to see him a lot when I was a kid. And she goes, oh, he's a friend of mine. So now she's convinced. Francis is officially convinced between watching him play up there. And hearing this woman, the stranger profess his identity. And she's like, oh, well now she's convinced. And all in one moment, the, the kids are one who had doubts are 100% behind it. Now Willie is right. Willie Brown. He is blind dog Fulton.
1: The place is going off yep. and there's, there's no way that they cannot, there's no way they can deny it anymore. All doubts have been washed.
0: They cut back to hotel room. Eugene is still super high from playing. I mean, if for anybody that's ever performed, whether you were an actor performing on stage, when you have that, that, that grad, instant gratification from a crowd mm-hmm. where you get that kind of response, man, it is like a drug. And that's why so many artists end up falling into the, the traps of, of substance abuse because they can never get back to that place. They're always chasing that. That high that you get from that—it's a natural high. But man, the endorphins, man—I've—I've I've had my fair share of live performances that have been received well enough to where you came out there going, "Well, I'm not—I don't totally suck," <laughs> which is yes, which is an amazing feeling.
1: You turn into Sally Field; they like me. <laughs> but
0: boy, it can go to your head fast. And, yeah, man,
1: totally. But then, then the dragon starts biting a hole in your arm at night, and you're fucked. And like, and watching the two of them,
0: they're Francis. You, you, Francis has got her map out and she's just kind of going over and saying, Oh, you know, we've looked close, but Eugene doesn't give a shit. He's just like, Oh man, we tore that place up. And he's just talking it up. And he's like, You know, we should settle down Fulton's Point and Willie can teach me how to do that dumb song. And you
1: can be our manager. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And we'll tour the country in a van playing the blues. And in comes Willie to, to take a shit over of Eugene's fanfare he's gonna right?
1: burst that bubble cause girls of the world ain't nothing but trouble <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> he's like oh man you were so you were so into that shit you forgot your hat and he's like where did you learn to play those pussy chords in the music school pussy
1: chords
0: <laughs> and I was just like what is going on and then and I'm didn't you see the bottle in his hand oh, and I'm yeah. like oh it's the booze talking yeah and he's like man I just played the chords that I learned on the road but Willie drunk out of his ass and he just like, man, they didn't feel anything. They didn't feel any of your guitar playing. They were feeling the whiskey <laughs> just as he is right now, man. Right. <laughs>
1: well, he ain't, all, he ain't all wrong.
0: Yeah. And I'm about to feel it some more. And then Francis jumps up and she's defending Eugene. And, yeah, and she's like, what the fuck, Willie? <laughs> you just can't come in and say nice job. Congratulations. And again, and then Willie's drunk. just like, and he starts giving to him real. He's like, you want me to tell you that you're. You're as good as Robert Johnson, but you're not. You spend as much. If you spend as much time with your hands on them strings as you do with this on this girl's ass, you might get somewhere.
1: Dude, I mean, he just, yeah, <laughs> he's just dropping the mic and picking it back up and yeah. dropping it again. And then he
0: leaves the two lovebirds be, and we follow him to his to the hallway, and he just slams his door. <laughs> good night. He, he come out to Eugene. He's like shitty old man. <laughs> He's all good. so now. He's like, oh great! The Willie Brown that I've been looking for is here now, and he's an asshole. I found him. <laughs> but oh, another one of those great moments where so good about this movie is when you're kind of moving along and you think you under, you feel comfortable, and as soon as you start feeling comfortable, Walter goes, "Yeah, I'm done with you feeling that way, and I'm gonna shake you a little bit.
1: It's time to throw out another jab and give another another range finder Just jab you right to the nose." Yeah. Discombobulate you, make you all uncomfortable.
0: Willie starts having a nightmare. Ugh. And now we see, dude, the shot, <laughs> the very first shot you see, why he's having a nightmare of Joe morden opening this giant door as he walks through it. My <laughs> God, dude, it's so amazing. And it's just all black and white. And it's more like a, on your trail. And we're realizing it's not a nightmare. It's not a dream. <laughs> it's not a dream, man. We know that Scratch's assistant is in his head telling him. Hellhounds are coming for you, man. The closer you get to the crossroads, the closer you are to coming home or hell yeah. as it is. Right. Yeah. We cut to, to Frances, like, leaving her hotel room with her suitcase. And she turns and Willie's kind of standing there in his doorway. And she immediately goes into excuse mode. She goes, I got to go. I got to get to L.A. And she's like, hey, you know, Willie, there's no goodbyes on the road. Give Lightning Boy a hug for me. Tell him I'll miss him. Willie kind of looks at her and he turns. I thought he was just going to shut the door.
1: Right. It wouldn't have been out of character.
0: He turns around, reaches for something, and he hands her $100. And he goes, there's no, you're right, there's no goodbyes on the road. See you around, huh? And he gives her the money. And uh goes, I don't want you to do any more of the stuff you've done to this point. $100 should get you to L.A. safe. Stop doing the bullshit. Stay safe. Believe it or not, boys and girls, that's the last
1: time we see Francis. Yeah, man.
0: And until she walks out into the rain. And that's it, man. Yep. And it's funny because other movies, she'd come back.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Other movies, she'd she'd come back after the showdown. You know, that's the thing. It's like, again, like with all of Walter Hill's movies, whatever cliches, whatever tired tropes you're used to seeing, you'll you'll see it just long enough to go, oh, he's doing, and then he'll yank it like the no fight in the bar.
1: Because you know the studio note was, hey, man, should Jamie Gertz come back?
0: right uh, after you know, is she gonna show me right? skin
1: yeah yeah totally and then Will, but I mean you know it all plays right into the whole like Willie's line right the blues ain't nothing but a good man feeling bad thinking about the woman that he was once with such
0: line right oh my so gosh
1: she has to go
0: right and this, and this is the moment too where Willie and Eugene are, uh, are tossing whiskey back now after Willie tells Eugene that she left you know that's it dude she's gone
1: she, but she didn't say. But yeah, we, we got to go after her.
0: But that line that he delivers, like you just yeah, said, man. is so good. And this is the beginning, man. So Eugene looks over his guitar, and and this is where we finally get the confession from Willie. There's no thirtieth song, man. Robert Johnson gave us twenty nine songs. It was enough. You're gonna have to come up with thirty yourself. That's what Robert would have told you. Right. So Eugene walks over and picks up his guitar. And for the first time ever, we're not hearing that intricate detailed guitar player we heard in the conservatory. Even that same kid playing the blues earlier. Now he's playing it with a different feeling. He's playing it with feeling now.
1: Right. It's coming from the heart, man.
0: His broken heart. Yeah. And as he's playing, pushing in on Seneca and he, and he's got, kind of, Oh my gosh. In this line there, lots of towns, lots of songs, lots of women. Good times, bad times. The only thing I want anybody to say is he could really play. He was good. And it's like, and you're hearing this, him say these lines, you're going, is he talking about himself or is he talking about Eugene? And again, because we're still not 100% sure. We haven't, we haven't seen, we've seen threats of, of, uh, from from the devil and his minions coming after him and taking him in the dream and in flashbacks. So we don't, I don't know, how, is, are we talking about Eugene or is he talking about himself? When you get to the end of that moment where he says he was good, you, you could tell by the look in his face. I'm like, he's talking about himself. This is all he ever wanted. He wanted somebody to recognize his, his playing. So when we cut to they're driving through a poor neighborhood.
1: On the way to Weevil. Yeah,
0: they get out and, and then Eugene's asking, you know, Willie about Fulton's Point. He said, why aren't we just going to Fulton Point? Can't be too far away. And they're walking up to a a house and he says, I got to deal with something lightning or there ain't no going home. We find out with this place that they're going to right now is a brothel that Willie used to play at. He refers to it as a cat house, but.
1: We know. Yeah. Totally cat house brothel. Right.
0: And then it was run by a woman named Lily LaFontaine and they knock at the door and ask if, and he asked for Lily and we find out that Lily's passed and He's like, were you we related to her? And he goes, yeah, well, she was my grandmother. And she says, well, do you need a room? <laughs> that guy right there in the porch pissed his bed, so he's out. <laughs>
1: well, he knows. I mean, he, he she looks just like the grandmother. If he even says it. He's like, you know, he knows that he's in the right. He's like, hmm.
0: So, and as they're going upstairs to show the room, she's talking to Willie. Like, yeah, my grandmother used to talk about you all the time. Always. It, and then Willie starts talking about a fight that <laughs> he, this guy used to get, he used to get into a fight over Lily and, uh, and she asked what, who, who won? And he says, we both took our lumps and he goes, but you know, and, uh, he basically alluded to, you know, I, I won, I, I won your mom. I knew your grandmother and she's my, she was my lady kind of thing, even though she ran a brothel. Um, what the hell was that?
1: That's my dogs. He's, he's dreamy. That's awesome. <laughs> it's okay, pal.
0: That was cool. <laughs> I like it when we get dogs, like, making noise. Oswald won't come in here and do shit, so I don't ever. It's okay we you get, get uh, cameos from your pups.
1: Yeah, he was dreaming.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So Willie's, like, he turns to, to Lily's granddaughter. And her and asks, like, takes out. Uh, she asked, He asks about the crossroads, and he goes, I need to get back there. You tell me how to get there. It's like in, but now he's not that aggro Willie we saw at the previous hotel. He knows he's close. He knows he's there. He knows he's almost there, and he's got somebody that knows who he is. Never met before, but she knows who he is from the stories from her mother, from grandmother. Looks at him without even looking away. Calls out for somebody to drive them there. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude! She just goes, "What are you doing?" Like she doesn't know that he's somebody that sold. She, she did, he, she thinks he's go on the crossroads to make a deal and not to try to, you know, not to terminate the one he's already got. And, but she just goes, just don't look. And she just you don't do this. This is bad. They're on, dropped on the side of the road. <laughs> While they're out there on the side of the road, Eugene starts playing, right? Just waiting. Not any different than we saw Robert at the beginning and not any different than we saw mm-hmm. from Willie in his flashback. All of a sudden <laughs> here comes this Trans Am rolling down the road. It's Joe Morton and he, but no, like I was saying earlier, he's not driving that old jalopy anymore. He's driving the new hotness.
1: That's <laughs> Every, right.
0: Yeah. Everything we see is more current and you know, that's what they expect to see, but he's got kind of a passenger and this passenger, we, we only, we see her later on and she has a standout moment and she, her name is Gretchen Palmer, the actress. She dances at the showdown, the end of the movie, and it is, can you can you imagine that scene without her dancing no, in it?
1: Not, no, not at all. It's it, one of the most memorable things in it.
0: Yeah, and it it's so good. John Morton rolls up and says, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you know who I'm waiting for, Legba. And then Morton and the passenger just start laughing.
1: He don't go by Legba no more. He changed his name to Scratch.
0: Uh, and then you just says some other, you know, janky stuff, and off he drives, laughing at him. And you hear Willie Brown, and you see Robert Judd playing scratch walk up. Ugh. He's so he's so good, and like I mentioned before, I would love would love to have seen a movie with two with both him and, and and Joe Morton just doing something. He says, "Been a long time, hasn't it, Willie?" <laughs> and he just kind of like he's like, "Yeah," and they're going back and forth, and. and you see Eugene looking like, at the two of them talk and he just thinks they're old friends, you know, and he doesn't get what's going on here. He doesn't realize that the dude appeared out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> and he, but he's still not believing the legend about him selling his nah, soul or anybody selling their soul. He's an atheist. And then, and then Willie's like, man, I'm, I'm breaking the deal, man. It's like a, this, you know, I didn't get what I was supposed to get. And he goes, you got exactly what you are supposed to get blues, man. And uh, just like you mentioned before, whether it's selling your soul to the devil or making that wish to the genie man and it never goes exactly the way you think it's supposed to go, no matter how much thought you put into it. there's a reason why they got to where they got in their life. <laughs> you don't have a they don't have a hell full of souls any other way, no man, yeah, you know,
1: no shortcuts,
0: you know um, money. money's like we gave you some money It's like my money means nothing to me, but Unless you have something
1: to trade.
0: And then he starts giving the pitch. We haven't seen the devil before this in either one of the flashbacks. And that's okay. But they've all been there to seek out the deal. This is the first time we've seen the devil turn to somebody with a pitch. And he's pitching Eugene. And he's like, well, you know what? You got something to give? He's
1: like, but you Willie want- don't play guitar.
0: I mean, he goes, Willie don't play guitar, and he's like, yeah, you're right. He doesn't.
1: That's dude. That's my favorite. His delivery on that is so perfect.
0: Yeah, he goes like, and he goes, he goes. Oh, so you're talking about you? What about some cutting some heads? He goes, oh, a contest. And he goes, you're a smart boy. Yeah, I got a real good guitar player, Jack Butler, cuts heads every Saturday night. He discourages a lot of up and coming boys. <laughs> he said, like, but Willie don't play guitar. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. He goes, no hope for Willie Brown unless you want to sit in for him. And then now Willie's like, don't do it, Lightning, don't do it. And he's like, man, just fine. I don't believe this shit anyway. He thinks it's just talk. He's still not buying into all this.
1: I don't believe in any of this.
0: And then Scratch walks up and says, if you win, I tear Willie's contract. But What if Jack wins? Willie steps in and goes, well, you got me. He's like, I already got you, Willie. And then Eugene says, well, then you got me too. And then now he you he's like, oh no, don't do it, don't do it, Lightning. Shut your mouth. This is bad. And he's like, like man, I'm just calling his bluff. He's like, when is this? When is this showdown? And where? And he's like, oh, I can get this there real quick. And then the background starts getting all Sky cloudy opens
1: up and shit.
0: Crazy. And he goes, Jack Butler's gonna like you. And then like, and for the first time ever, we don't cut anywhere. Nope. <laughs> We're transported. Yep. And we cut to Steve I. And a bar just ripping it up. And if you don't know who Steve Vai is, all right. Well, he uh, used to play with um, Alcatraz. Oh, Alcatraz! But before that, he played. That's
1: how they list him in the credits, dude. What really? Uh, like, well, I'm sorry. Oh, in like... Roger in Roger Ebert's review of the movie <laughs> That's Alcatraz. He, yeah, man, that's how they, That's how he. Uh, that's how they put uh, Steve Vai, guitarist of Alcatraz. I laughed. Made me laugh.
0: That is pretty funny. No, Steve Vai, you know from guitar player, he played um, played well, most notably his solo work like but before that, he you know, daily Roth band when David Roth left Van Halen, but before even Alcatraz and before all that, he was guitar player for Frank Zappa. And he actually was uh Dweezil Zappa's guitar teacher. So there you go, a little extra stuff there. But this was incredible in 1986 to see Steve Vai on the big screen like that. I was, my mind was blown. I was like, and something else that was really unique to this whole thing. How many times do you see music videos from back in the day that did this too, or movies where the fingering never went with what you were hearing? Yeah. And these I used to drive never me nuts, but nope, Steve, you, you would have thought Steve, I was playing live and he may have very well have been playing live, but he, if you know anything about Steve, I, he is such a amazingly like savant, like technical player. He, he, rem- He's got a recall like you you couldn't imagine, and he's just ripping, just ripping it up, just tearing the place up. And he cut the Eugene, and I you can't tell if it's a look of worry or he's still dumbfounded how he got there.
1: I think both.
0: (laughs) And and he just kind of like looking around, going, "What the fuck's going on here?" And then the music just stops, and then the whole place erupts and just voices. And we're getting some gospel singing going on here. And we're like, wow, this is getting really south right now. And I thought that was really interesting that we're clearly in we're, are we in hell? Is that where we're at?
1: Or purgatory? In purgatory? We're somewhere. somewhere. But yeah. I thought
0: it was really interesting. We are not in God's place. That's all that matters. And we're not in God's place. And yet there's gospel music being sung. As the gospel music's happening, we cut to Willie talking to Eugene. He pulls out this little this little canvas bag and he and he calls it his mojo hand. It's Louisiana voodoo charm. This is the winning boys magic. There's only one last true mojo left in the world. Take it and go up there and do your stuff. I'm giving you all the magic I got. And still Eugene's like still this look yeah, in his wait. face. Hey,
1: totally right. He's like <laughs> sloughing it, like, oh yeah, whatever. He's like, I, what? What is? Yeah, I don't. What's in there? A monkey's hand? A yeah. monkey paw? So we cut
0: to Morton. He's up on on the stage, and he's calling Eugene out. Anybody up here want to come up here and play? Show what they got. Get their head cut. Who wants to get their head cut? Oh my gosh, I love him in this movie he's so good. And so Eugene makes his way to stage and just plugs in. And and Eugene is just getting it from Morton. And he goes, "Oh, you can play, boy! <laughs> but you don't even know what the hell's going on." You see, Scratch walk in, kind of tips his hat to the performers that are about to do their thing, and he sits down.
1: Too. Right, man, sits in the front row.
0: And then Vi goes to work and just starts playing. Vi was even himself. He says, "I, you know, I, I'm a wanker. It's wanker playing, <laughs> where it's just how fast can you play, kind of thing, and there's no real soul to it." which I thought is very fitting for the character. Jack starts doing his thing, and now they're trading licks back and forth. Vi's got more of his wanker licks, right? You know, typical metal type licks while Eugene's matching him with slide blue versions of those same licks, which is, oh my gosh, it's so good. It should be noted to this showdown, even though Rykooter does all the slide work in the rest of the movie, both um, guitar playing it's being done by the two characters in the showdown are Steve Vai, both of them Steve Vai is playing yeah. both parts. And we talked briefly before about how good the camera work or, the, co- or the, the, the comping or whatever it is that they're doing to show the hands of Ralph Macchio's maybe aren't really his hands. And you see, I think
1: him. they're hands. <laughs> yeah, there's, but there's <laughs> With so much mo- costume on,
0: but they're so good about you not seeing. Yeah. His head, his face most of the time when you see, and most of the time when you see.
1: And you're so into what's happening. Right. It, it's, you don't really you, ever you don't, Your mind it. never
0: wanders enough to to look. And it's only on repeat visits to the movie that you think to look. And then even when it's happening again, you don't look. <laughs> it happens to me all the time when I watch this movie. So they're just getting, just going back and forth. And then Jack just gets pissed off. He's mad because he's given it to him, but he's able to match. And, and, but in a different way, he's mad. So he changes the guitars and he starts playing again. And now the whole band joins in. And here's that lovely uh, dancer we mentioned earlier. She gets up there and starts dancing. Oh my gosh, dude, it elevates the scene so much. It's so great.
1: dude. It, it totally it takes it to all like an, like it just had a whole nother surreal plane of yeah. what, you know, I mean, it, it goes from, again, it takes us. We, we come in in that weird opening. Like, we don't know where we're at. Right. Then we're like, oh, we're in the bar. But then it goes beyond that, and it takes it to another plane of, like, right. what the fuck?
0: Right. And then Willie comes up on stage, too. And now he and Eugene are doing their part back and forth. And then Vi's filling in once in a while, and there's some more lick trading. And then the music just stops, and Vi goes full wanker. And he is just—he's throwing every single— possible note you can play on a Pentecostal scale. <laughs> he's just right. going, he's just playing every little thing in there. And, and, but Eugene's giving it back to him every step of the way, every step of the way he's giving it back to him. But then it gets to a point where he just, he's turning into the major showman and Jack gives him the whole thing where he's, he gets to the point where he's got his trim bar and he just holding his guitar by that, bouncing it up and down, making all the sounds again. If you've seen him ever play with David Lee Roth, this is exactly the guy you're playing. Completely Absolutely. over the top, putting on the show. And then there's just dead quiet. He's just waiting for Eugene. And then Eugene leans back. And he respects the blues by respecting his classical training. And he leans back and starts playing Paganini's Fifth Caprice. Now, the thing is that makes this so fucking awesome is that Paganini was, was considered the devil's violinist. Right. So now he's playing something that the devil instantly recognizes. He sees the look oh, in yeah, his, face. his face. He just goes, oh, shit. <laughs> he just sees it. And one of the things that's so amazing about this piece is the way he get, when he gets to the last note and he plays it, they overdubbed, uh, they overlaid a little bit of a violin sound. Like right at the end, the same note being played on a violin. I thought that was so, And you don't hear the violin the rest of the time. It's just that when he plays those last two notes and I'm like, that was so fucking brilliant. And I, I noticed the very first time I'd seen the movie after I knew more about Paganini and that he was right. the devil's violinist, which probably I was wearing in my, in my adulthood at that point. And then when I heard, once I heard that note, I've, it's like, it's like, once you hear that note, you never not hear it again. And I think, I think it's even on the soundtrack like that too. It is. And then so Vi, you know, immediately like goes, he's trying, he looks like pissed. Because the whole time he's playing, he's like going, what the fuck is he playing? And at one point you're thinking, does he know what he's playing? Because technically he is Paganini's guitar player. I mean, he's, he is the devil's guitar player. He is, instead of being Paganini, the devil's violinist, he's the devil's guitar player.
1: He's Jack Butler. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa,
0: dude. And you can either, either... He's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Or he recognizes the song and he knows he's not going to be able to play it. And then, so, cause when he, he already has apprehension of he, before he starts playing a note, he's like, I don't know if I can play this. He can see it in his face. And he starts going and he can't match it. And he just keeps, he keeps trying. He's running out of strings. He's running out of frets to the point. Where he just tries to play one last time and he just falls to the ground and he casually looks over at scratch and scratches give him this look like you're a you embarrass him, you do. Well, you're done. You're done. He he knows he's he he knows he's done. He stands up and takes off Home his clothes. guitar and slams it onto the ground on the stage and walks off. Willie and Eugene just immediately start playing with the band in celebration, and then the dancer there she is back up there dancing again. Yeah, it's so good. And as it's happening, cut to scratch, and he tears up a piece of paper which we we know is Willie's contract. We've
1: seen that piece of paper. Long time ago.
0: Um, there's a one moment where the where Eugene's playing and as these see as you see the devil and he tears up the thing, he does he does a little crybaby lick.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: And that's a total that's a total Steve net sound. He does it a lot on David Ross stuff.
1: Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> so good. Yankee Rose. Yeah, exactly. Wah, wah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the whole talking back to Dave. Yeah, it's good.
1: Oh, yeah totally
0: and then and then we magically are back at the crossroads again sepia tones now
1: boom
0: I'm like whoa because then now we're like going this is the first time we we're seeing Eugene in that world where it's the first time we we're seeing old uh Willie in that road and it's so good sepia tones are like as they're walking down the road and they're talking about Chicago man Chicago'm I'm, I'm feeling like at the big city blue got the like big city in me now I spent too much time there I'm not the I'm done with Mississippi. I'm done. But after Chicago, man, you're on your own. Right? Eugene's like, why? He's like, uh, that ain't the way the song goes. You got to move on without me. Take the music someplace else. And he says, deal. And they they shake hands and agree. And they, off they go. And,
1: and they made the deal at the crossroads.
0: Every step of the way from Red Heat forward, and anytime we talked about music, especially last week when we talked about Ray Cooder's score in Johnny Handsome, I'm like, I can't. I was like anxious to get to this movie.
1: Oh, I know. I thought you were gonna blow it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was ready to edit it. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> I kept waiting for you to say. I was like, dude. <laughs> no, I meant like somewhere else. Like I was like, oh, oh god. No. During the conversation, or like you know, or like a sneak tweet or something. <laughs> <I'm> like,
0: oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna do that. Just like with everything else that Walter Hill's done, or in this case, we in the group of movies that we've covered, this movie's not like anything else he's done. Granted, he didn't co-write this one, but the bottom line is the fact that the man doesn't want to get involved in the writing of a script tells you how fond he is of it. He had a choice of what he wanted to do, whether it was Johnny Handsome, you know, a couple of years later, or this. He had the right to, he had the the the, the clout to do whatever he wanted. And he always had, you know, always had Larry Gordon there to facilitate whatever he wanted to do himself. But for him to take on a, a script like this, and don't get me wrong too. He also knows that the screenwriter is no slouch either. Fusco has written some shit, you know, he's written some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. This movie is a perfect marriage of music that you may not be familiar with names you've heard of, but then told in a fictional way that just bring a certain realism and authenticity to it that you don't usually get in a movie. Of this type, usually there's something that falls by the wayside. Nothing falls by the wayside. Great script, great directing, great imagery, great acting, great acting, great music. Everything is fucking perfect in this movie. Even seen it three times in the last week, there's nothing about this movie I want. You know, because sometimes even the movies that we love, you ever notice that even the ones that we adore, I wonder why they didn't do this. I wonder why they didn't do that. We have moments like that. I now have that moment like that in this movie. No, no, no. Even a movie I've, I completely, the Die Hard's got issues. (laughs) But I've never questioned anything in this movie. And which says a lot about it. And a lot of people haven't seen it. And it's kind of a travesty, honestly.
1: Shout Factory, man. I I was just going to say, it's a movie that I feel like it, Hasn't been embraced or seen because there's not a proper copy. about I, I don't, I, 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 I got, I went digital. I don't own the Same. DVD of it um, because I know I would be disappointed. That's why I never picked it up when I right. saw what they. I was like, eh, there's, there's got to be something someday coming with more stuff. And I, again, Shout Factory, hello. Please. <laughs> Brewster's Millions, Trespass, Where's Crossroads? Where's you got Journey a you, handsome.
0: Yeah, you got a Walter Hill box set in the making here. Just come on. Do it. Right. There you go Alright then Done. All If right. you want to follow us on social media you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp Or the official at KaratePod Or on Letterbox at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you'd like to support the show Through Patreon it's patreon.com Slash KITG podcast
1: If you'd like to follow Freddie you can follow me At Raven Shattuck on Twitter Rock and roller 33 on your Instagram Or Tom Cody At Letterboxd Tom, Tom Cody, Cody.
0: Um, what the hell was that?
1: That's my dog's he's he's dreaming. That's awesome. <laughs> it's okay, pal.